Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitarist, or on Twitter as at Practical Guitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. And donate to us via Patreon, available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hi, Hi, David. What have you been doing? Sitting there uh, waiting on me to come back from from my my trip. My trip. Your trip. Your trip. to the place that, that uh, no one wants to know. The reading about. room with the library. Right. Is the library. Oh, good um, lord. So I'm trying to link the uh the the stupid deal of the day and uh, <laughs> and it, for it's some reason Facebook keeps saying it's a snare drum. Oh my gosh. It's the, it's the low blow pedal by uh Wample. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. So I'm just gonna throw up speaking of new pedals. Yeah, I posted so, a, an Instagram thing that had people guessing. Um, and yes, I, I guess it got shared to Facebook too. But um, yep. got this guy, which I'm holding up in my hand, and no one can see. This is a Boss Angry Driver JB2, courtesy of Good Time Music. Uh, I purchased this the other day. Yep. Oh, Year of No Gear is over. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. It was, if you didn't believe it was over, it's over now, folks. Yeah, it's um, been over for a while. So I picked this guy up. Uh, I did an open mic Friday night and um, I didn't. So this goes back to other open mics I've done in the past where, you know, it's like you can't set up your own gear. Uh, right. no, no amps, nothing like that. I always tried to bring a distortion pedal or something that would get yep. closer to the feel uh, and response of the amp that I normally use. Right. So, I've been kind of digging for a while. I have had a, the Wampler Pinnacle V2 that I demoed. I sold, well, it's, it's not really sold. It's on its way to Robert Jackson right now, so he can demo it. Um, and then it's going to go, it's actually already listed on Reverb, but uh, it's listed at an insanely high price and so nobody will buy it. Um, when it arrives at Robert Jackson's, because the USPS decides they're going to stop being dicks, because um, I sent it like two weeks ago and it's still not there, or three weeks ago and it's still not there. Um, yep. I don't know what's caused this. I've got a ticket open with them. My pedal may be gone. I don't know. Um, but I needed a distortion pedal for this. So I grabbed this guy. I didn't end up using it. We'll talk about that later in the show. Um, they may have lost your pinnacle. 
Well, hopefully you insured it, right? You were smart enough to insure it. Oh, I had 50 bucks, the, the minimum. It I was, was like five my... bucks extra to insure it for a $10 shipping. I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. Oh, I do. I'll eat it. I, I ship enough stuff and I've never had anything get lost or stolen. So it's like, I'll gamble because it's, if I have it happen once every 50 packages, which is probably what I've sent through USPS in the last year. Yep. I, and I've never had a problem like this. So my guess is it'll probably get found in the back of a, in the back of a postal service truck or something. Yep. Cause that's usually what happens. But if it got stolen, I'll probably push them because somebody told me that you can go to them even if you're not insured. If it's stolen, if they can't find any evidence that was damaged or destroyed, they have to they have to compensate you regardless of what you insured it. Oh, yeah. So okay. I don't know if that's true or not. I've been told that, so we'll we'll push on that. But yeah, well, it'd be interesting because I always I'll, um, I'll share this with people. I always insure for the actual value of the item. So, like, just recently, new value I, or used value? Huh. New value or used value? Ooh. See, that's the thing. Um, if you, and I've read this before too, where if they really want to push the button, they could be like, you overinsured and only pay you for the value of it used. Well, I can tell you this. They don't know what's inside. Yeah, I mean, normally they, that's exactly the case. They don't so. know if I put a brick in there or if I put a, um, a rubber snake. Yeah. They have no idea. If, it, dis- son- if it disappears, if it's damaged, Right, and they do. That's a different thing. And, more, and I think more often than not, it's probably damaged. Yeah, well, that's a, yeah, that's a different thing altogether. Well, I know that you guys are going through some some uh, storms right now. Well, yeah, and there's the shutdown going on, which is further screwing things up. Even though they say the post office is not affected, listen, I've seen more postal service bullshit since the shutdown began than I've ever seen. So I don't know what is going on over there. Um, whether it's just our local post office is like going through some things, but I know the tracking system was completely down the other day. Nobody could track anything. I'm yeah. like, what is going on? So I had a, I had a package. It was supposed to come Friday and, um, it didn't <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, um, I, I had the Katana, um, GAFC coming or boss GAFC. Cause it's used for the next tone. It's used for the Katana. It's used for the artist. It's used for a lot of boss stuff. So it's not like the GAFC is used for just one. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it, and for folks saying, oh, that's your end of your year of uh, two years of no gear. Well, let me tell you something. I don't know about you guys. And um, we'll, we'll talk more about uh, why. It's not a competition. It's a state this of mind. Is, that's right. And that's number one. And number two, you know what? This, this thing is useless without the, the foot switch. If you're going to use it live, just useless. But anyway, I'll, I'll go into that later. Um, but the but what I'm getting at is UPS said yeah it's on a it's on a truck this is UPS not USPS yeah it's I would rather truck. ship with UPS yeah. than in in UPS yeah it's supposed to be here day. Saturday it never even left Roanoke and yet I even called them and it said it said the thing I was like I didn't see an I, I didn't see a um on truck for delivery or whatever they usually say out for delivery mm-hmm. so I was like yeah they never put it on. but they say it's supposed to be Monday it's supposed to be normal working hours for UPS. So. I, I don't work Monday. I'm a government employee. Yeah, they are Although going I'm working, not working hours. Right now. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, good thing I'm retired military, um, which, by the way, uh, that is not effective because I'm Department of Defense. Um, so, uh, moving right along. The, um, uh, so, I got some stuff. You, you, uh, oh, the pickups are here. So, the guitar pickups are not only here, they're in the guitar. I'll be posting um, no later than tomorrow. 
uh, afternoon. I'll be posting some uh, sounds. Uh, I just wanted to get a feel for it, see where, because um, remember, this is this is going into a five bl five way blade. Those are two uh, two wire pickups, so there's no five way to it. It's just three way. Um, the two um, outer positions, two and four, are the same as three. So right, but uh, you know, typically you wouldn't put that into a five way, but you can. Um, it sounds great. I I'll just I'll just say that it sounds great for whoever wins these. Talk about a win. I'm just going to say that. You, it, these things are beautifully articulate. Um, I don't want to put any, I don't want to put any tones or any sounds into somebody's mind, um, but they're in a, ba a basswood body right now with a maple neck, uh, rosewood flatboard. Um, actually, I think that's, that's a, like a thick ebony. Uh, but anyway, uh, with a shark tooth thing, and even in this crappy guitar, with with poopy pick up or a poopy um uh, poopy body wood, yeah, body wood and and uh, tone and volume knob. This thing sounds incredible. It, it brought this guitar to life and made it like okay, now I know why this because this thing I didn't want to do a before and after because what is the point? That's like showing hey, you know what? I had a rowboat. Now I have the Cr Princess Cruise Line, and uh, oh. look at how much better the Princess Cruise Line is than the rowboat. Frankly, just showing that Ibanez guitar with those pickups in it and what it sounds like, yep. it's pretty clear that the pickups are doing the work. Um, I, I'm not going to poo-poo Basswood specifically, but, no. but I will say this much. Basswood gets used in a lot of lower-end guitars, and there are different species of it. And the stuff that, um, like, Sir uses, they're not using the Basswood you're getting in a cheapy Ibanez. That's right. a totally different animal. Um, and even when they do do stuff like that, what they'll do is they'll sandwich it with a bot with um, they'll use some other harder wood on top, usually like alder. Yep. Um, now I will say this about this guitar, folks. This is this is an RG. This is a mid. Uh, I say a middle of the road. It's the lower end of the middle of the road RG. It, it brand new. This thing would have cost right around five hundred dollars. Four five. They yeah. go for three hundred all day long on the used. Yeah, all yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they're not highly sought after. No, but it's it's got a it's got a unique um, look, and and that's really all it's got. The you know, pickups were total trash. I'm sure people are going to give me shit for this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it anyway. That was, since we're talking about Ibanez, because we're talking about this guitar. Um, anybody who's owned an Ibanez, uh, until you get into like the I, I I would believe at least in my estimation the really high end stuff, the uh, the thousand dollar plus like prestiges and yep. um, those kinds of things. I don't think they have any soul. No. I mean, I mean, honestly, like I've played squires that felt more, that I felt more kinship with, than, mm -hmm. and and I mean that in a very like spiritual sense. And I, I don't mean to wax philosophical for everybody, but I really feel like a connection to certain guitars, especially, you know, it. But not Ibanez's in any way. I've never picked up a sub like thousand dollar Ibanez that no. I, like I was going to bond with. No, um, I think that the best had the several. So the lowest cost Ibanez I ever picked up had a Wizard Two neck, and it was um, it was a it was a what they called a Super Strab, and I want to say it was a Prestige model. I mean, it, honestly, um, they make some really good stuff, man. Yeah, but, they make. I mean, look, the Satriani models are incredible. I'm not talking about the low end Satrianis like oh, JS100. I'm talking about the thousands, um, uh, the two thousand, and so on and so forth, and the muscle car one. Um, the, the, uh, gems are, are, they, they are just that the gems are gems. 
yeah, and, they're the same. They're the same thing at the top end of that range. Like you get into these extreme, extremely, and and those guitars, I feel like there's so much soul put into them that yeah. you you get this instant feeling. Like every gem I picked up has been slightly different and had a yep. different personality and spoke differently to me. Whereas if I pick up one of those Ash Body RGs that they're selling right now, the ones that we've talked about that they're really heavy, um, I just didn't feel the soul in them. I mean, it just felt like they came off of a machine. And I know that's like totally a head trip thing with me because obviously you can't tell the difference. I mean, that Squire I just picked up came off the machine too. Right. I don't really feel a whole lot of connection with a lot of those guitars either, but I have found a few where right. you know they had something special go, going on. Yeah, there's uh, there's something there. Um, uh, was I going to say? Oh, uh, uh, I, I always forget. Gilbert has a uh, signature Ibanez as well, and you know that that his the ice, fireman that he's got out right now. Yeah, it's called the fireman, right? I yeah, it. I'm, I'm just saying that there's a lot of people that like it. It's heavy, and the the other thing is the uh, the neck. Is like if you have big hands and big fingers, I, you'll love it. I don't, so I it's just not gonna do it for me. But remember, he's got fingers that are what, like um, nine inches long or something. Yeah, he's he, he's got he, he measures his his fingers the with a, a beach ball. <laughs> yeah, when he, he palms the beach ball. When people are throwing the beach ball, I mean, just yeah, <laughs> I got this. Puts out the web, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and he can do that when it, when the guy's got eight, you know. An eight fret stretch, and he can do a barred chord on it. I mean, come on. Okay, so I'm gonna be honest with you. Having seen him live, I, Jim, if you get the chance, you gotta go. Because yeah. uh, I saw him with Mr. Big last year. I think I talked about it on the show. I'm pretty sure the show was going on when I saw him. Um, yeah. And it just, I'm still kind of like awestruck because he's not as good a player as he is. He's not the guy that stands there and does that on purpose all night long. Like right. it's very like confined to specific parts of the set and like very specific to what he's doing. And you don't normally find that with shred guys where they're like very tasteful about where they're going to throw it in. Right. Um, and that's what really impressed me about seeing Paul Gilbert. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I haven't seen him live, but I've seen so many uh, videos of his that I, you know, I, I really do want to see him uh, when he comes. I So much I, feel I, for a shredder. I mean, yeah. You know, the last time the last time I saw Shredder, well, other than Buckethead, before that it was Satriani, and it was like two thousand. No, um, maybe thirteen. Yeah, I saw him probably two thousand five. That's <laughs> a long time ago. It was probably not any different. Take my word. Uh, yeah, um, the, I mean although, the set the set list didn't look that different. Let's put it that way. And I will a couple say new songs. The only Ibanez, yeah, he, I think he was doing Supernova, something Supernova. Um, the uh, uh, the only Ibanez that I've ever looked at that I thought, you know what, I would spend that kind of money on after having seen and played the the uh, Jiva Ten. Now, yeah, you um, played it up. Yeah, is the I uh, the um, uh, Satriani uh, twenty two hundred? I think model the muscle car red one or the. Uh, I get why people are into the the Jiva thing, like. Because Ibanez really isn't putting out a really good Prestige S series right now for a reasonable yeah. amount of money, but it's not a reasonable amount of money for what it is. It's not. It's, not. it's just not. It's I Indonesian, mean, right? Yeah, yeah. It's which which from- kills me because it's in the Prestige price range. It's like right. What? It's it's fifteen hundred dollars or more. Yeah. Is it more for for a special inlay and some special pickups? 
Yeah, for a special inlay, some special pickups, and um, uh, the fact that it's the first female um, la, um, signature model from Ibanez. Yeah, from Ibanez. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, does Mrs. Smith signature model when it comes out later this year going to count? I don't know. No, it's you have to ask. You know, it's coming. You have to ask her if if that's. Uh, I don't know how she would consider that. So yeah, that's a good question for. Her. So, um, right. so anyway. Um, uh let's see so let's get let's get to the meat and potatoes of the of the show shall we yeah uh um, here we go all right so um what uh, what is your shoe size what is your favorite color what is your favorite color i watched that today by the way <laughs> did you oh yeah Great. my my wife okay. and i were cracking up it's i was weird. thinking about sitting down and watching halloween tonight halloween 28 the new one yeah it's really good highly recommend I don't have um I don't have um how do I say this? Uh I have it, I bought it in 4K. I don't have a 4K TV. You don't need to. We'll see. Anyway, um You bought it online, but, right? Yeah, I bought it. Well, I bought it um the Blu-ray digital. Oh, so you got like the whole 4K, thing. the whole watch it online, it's fine. That's not gonna be watching. Uh, let's talk. Can we talk about open mics first? Well, yeah, should we? Since we opened the the Pandora's box of open mics, yeah, since I already talked about it. So it's that time of year, folks. Usually, when um, clubs are, especially in the winter time, um, less in the summer, more in the winter, uh, fall winter, um, uh, clubs tend to take their um, slow nights, which are typically Monday through Thursday, depending on the club, and and a lot of clubs are closed on Sundays, and then they pick a day during the week. Um, so. Um, these open mics kind of bring people in. Uh, they they bring in the the folks from you know that wouldn't typically come out. Uh, whether it's your buddies, your or yourselves, your fellow musicians. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about open mics. I want to talk about the music side of it. I also want to talk a little bit about um, the uh, protocols of you know how you should act an open mic, um, especially if you're intending on an open mic turning into something that's going to be paid. So um, let's talk about open mics. First of all, typically they're weekdays and it's tough because they don't start early. I mean, I don't know what, what time does your open mic that you go to start? I got really lucky. My open mic was on Friday, Friday. And, and they start racking up at eight o'clock. That is unheard of. Yeah. Both of those things are unheard of. Yeah. Eight o'clock is almost unheard of. Yep. Although some of the um, weekday ones are. Always now unheard. they don't do it every week. It's like every once in a while they do, but yeah. Um, Friday open mic, hell yeah, sign me up. That that's like the easiest night for me to go. Um, and frankly, like it was really cool. There was a lot of people there. There was probably 10, 15 musicians and probably 30, 40 people. Yeah. And so um for an open mic, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about um how do you how do you get ready for an open mic? What do you do to prepare to play for an open mic? Well, and I'm not talking about gear wise. I'm talking about I'm embarrassing the crap out of myself tonight to um, prepare David for an open mic. So I'm going to embarrass the crap out of myself tonight, and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna eat crow, and I'm gonna I I, I want to be very honest with our listeners. Um, the last jam night that I went to was the one I talked about on the show, probably back in what? September or something. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I went on stage. Uh, at this place 
and I literally did my prep there while I was sitting in the venue. Meaning I decided what songs I felt comfortable playing. And I've been playing like, so when I go into an open mic, your, your question is, how do I prepare? I make sure I got the guitar I need tuned up. I've got straight fresh strings on it. I, I, I do stretch them out. So I try to put them on the day before mm-hmm. I play my ass off for that week. Uh, Cause I knew I was going on Friday, Monday. So yeah. I'm like, I'm taking Friday off. I will rehearse all day Friday, which is what I did. Um, I rehearsed to the point where even today when I was playing, I was like in a lot of physical pain. Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess putting myself in that state where I was going to play was very different than it has been in the past. When I was younger uh, and I was in a regular band and we played pretty frequently, I would say, I would say probably twice a month uh, for, for a good nine or, you know, between nine and 12 months, we were gigging pretty regularly like that. Um, I didn't, I never felt like panic or anything like that getting on stage. There was no anxiety whatsoever even going in and sitting in with other bands like I've done in the past couple of years, I don't really feel a lot of anxiety. I feel like in those situations, I already kind of know what I'm getting myself into. I know the players. I kind of know the set list that they usually do. So I can pick a couple of songs I can play on. And that, those kind of things. This was incredibly weird for me to walk into a place where I literally, I, it wasn't a jam night. So I wasn't expected to get up there and play somebody else, like what they wanted to play or anything like that. I was going in there. I had to pick the tunes. And had to figure out all the minutia of like who's doing what, and it was not a, a fun experience for me. I was I was having a mild panic attack before I went on stage, and so, uh, so, so I, I my phone typing in song names that I you know thought maybe I could do, and like it, it would was you would I be would I be out of line in saying that you were relatively uncomfortable? Oh, completely uncomfortable. And actually, when I got on stage, um. So here's the thing. I brought my my angry driver, uh, not knowing what the the rig setup situation was going to be like at all. Like I didn't even know if they're going to have an amp. So part of me was like, if they don't have an amp, maybe they just won't play. Somebody will have an amp, right? Like so, I went, and they had like an old PV like Predator or something like old PV amp. Uh, wow, <laughs> it was like a two two by twelve combo, and it was probably tube. It's ancient, right? I'm not even sure the damn thing worked because nobody turned it on. Um, and then there was a Digitech GNX on the floor. So when yeah. I went to, when they, when they called me up, which was funny, cause there's no signup sheet. You just had to introduce yourself to everybody. And then they were like, literally it was all friendly. And everybody was like pointing at other people and like, hey, they should play now. So when it, when it came my turn, right. They called yeah. me up and, uh, I'm, he's like, you know, what do you, what do you got to plug in? I'm like, well, I got an angry driver. Uh, he's like, no, no. He's like, we got you. Don't worry about it. So plug me into the GNX, show me, uh, where the boost and stuff was at on it. and just let me go to town. But it was funny because I was like, well, let's see how this goes, you know, cause I've had so many bad experiences plugging into crap that I'm just like, this is terrible. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Like this is, the, this is not going to work. I don't play clean. What the hell, <laughs> you know, like this isn't even edge of breakup. Like what? Um, so uh, plugged into that, show me where the boost were at, show me the clean dirty. I was like, just put it on dirty. Like, I don't need to know where the clean dirty is at. Just leave it on the dirty channel. I'll use my volume <laughs> knob. And then, and then, uh, he showed me the boost. I was like, Oh, I'll need to know that, you know? Um, and it was funny because, uh, they looked at me and they're like, what song to play? Do you want to play? And I like, I looked around the club and I was like, God, what do we do? 
I'm like, we'll just play Foxy. And so I started playing. And of course, nobody, like, I didn't sing it. I told the guys, like, we'll just do an instrumental. They're like, well, we, is this going to turn into a jam? And it, like, kind of sort of comes to something. But then it's like, say, so I was like, no, that's cool. We didn't do that. So as I started to, started to play, all of a sudden, this guy comes up out of the audience and starts singing. And he's got the lyrics on his phone. And he's halfway decent. He knows the song. He's like, well, I'm not going to let you get through Hendrix without singing it. So yeah. um, we played. You know, I told you somebody would show up. It went really, really well. I think most of the audience responded to it really well because it's not, we'll get to why. Um, then I played a Robin Trower tune that nobody knew. Um, and so wow, that- Wow, a Robin Trower tune nobody yeah, knew? I yeah, can't big believe surprise, that. right, right? <laughs> Baby Eagle, so like that kind of went into a jam territory and it, it played out pretty cool. Like I, I think people were like, okay with that. So then yeah. I, because I knew I was going to close the set with uh, Purple Haze. Okay, yeah. I, yeah, like I can play that in my sleep. So um we closed the set with that same guy came back up sang sang most of that song um it was funny because the drummer was he's one of the hosts and he was really good and he's like i've never played that song before in my life and i'm like you did fine like it sounded great and the uh it was it was a really good experience i came off stage um and we'll get to the physical side after i after i talk about what happened I came off stage. my wife was sitting there with her friend and they were like they were like i was like well i was like i could have been better and my, and my wife looked at me, she goes, that was a lot better than the last time you played out. I was like, really? And, and her friend was like, yeah, I didn't know you were that good. And I'm like, I just kind of gave her like the, the, uh, uh, the Forrest Whitaker eye for a moment. Yeah. Like, are you okay? <laughs> like, have you had too much to drink? Like, you, you need me to drive you home? Um, you didn't know I was that good? Let me yeah, show you how good I am. <laughs> I, uh, no. So the, the funny part about it was that um, because I've, I have never really had to deal with nerves in the same way as last night on stage. And I think it's just because there's so much distance between me and performing. Um, yep. I, I could not control my strength. Right. Which was another level compared to what it usually is. Like you, you guys have probably seen me play live in the Facebook group. If you haven't join the Facebook group, please um, get a feel for who Jim and I are as players. Cause we do do that stuff occasionally. Um, and you'll see, like, I don't, I mean, my playing is very finesse and it's very like particular and it was not that way at all. It was kind of wild and out there. And I tried to slow myself down consciously when I was doing the Fox solo and stuff and like, it wasn't happening. Um, nope. And it just, I, I was having trouble getting the feel down and I'm sure you've been through that long time ago, Jim, you're probably like way beyond that at this point. because You do a lot more gigs than I do. But, I, yeah. Um, I just feel like, uh, it was a big learning experience for me and that's really strange. Cause I've been playing, you know, music for almost 20 years now yep. and have been playing live for a good portion of that, you know, probably the first 10. And then for about 10 years, I have, I've been doing it sporadically. And, uh, this was kind of like panic attack inducing. And it just means I got to do it more. Like I need to get out yes. and do it more and I'm not it's discouraged exactly. at all. I don't want to, I don't want our listeners to think I'm discouraged by this. Like, this is absolutely me being like, all right, challenge accepted. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Um, but yeah. So prep wise, like I said, I just practice the hell out of everything I can before I go. Um, and it's not just like specific songs because you never know if you're going to end up getting paired up with somebody or something like that. You just got to be on your toes and like willing to work with different things. Um, right. If you can put down a set list, if you know you're going to be playing by yourself or whatever, do it for sure. Cause I sat there and I was like, what songs? Cause I knew I was having to play with their drummer and their bass player. And I'm like, man, I can't play whipping post. That's got, you know, that's got a section seven, eight, and then six, eight, like for most of it. 
and they're never going to like, it's good. It's going to be too hard to follow. And, uh, that would have been my, my preferred choice. I could have done that all night long. Um, but I know you mentioned that to me when you were, you were going out there. Yeah. Well, and that was the funny thing. So every open mic or whatever I've been to, the guys are like pretty classic rock oriented. They know you, you, you say a Hendrix tune and they're like, Oh yeah, we'll sing that for you. No problem. Like yeah. that's usually the case. Or, you know, you'll play a Led Zeppelin tune. Like everybody knows it. This place, the guy before me got up and he played uh, seek and destroy from, from Metallica. And then he played, uh, he played eruption and then he played, um, uh, you really got me. And yeah. there was some other tune. Actually, there's a couple other tunes in there. A guy after me gets up and plays uh, uh, Brewster from, from Alice in Chains. Nice. And, uh, a Smashing Pumpkin song. He plays uh, Bullet with Butterfly Wings and um, something else. So it was just like a really weird mix of music. And the guy in front of me was doing all these like 60s folk tunes. So it was, that, it was just like that all over been. the place. <laughs> I'm that like, would have been me. <laughs> on, no, on an acoustic? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he... he if, I, if I was up there on an acoustic, I'd probably have been, well, not 60s, but a lot, well, late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, it was just like Vietnam protest music. Like, yeah, that's no, what, I wouldn't have been that, that, that wouldn't have been. And uh, it was good. Like, Except I, for I, me, honestly, the, guy had me the guy had me, uh, like, <clears throat> fixed to what he's doing, but yep. um, it was just really weird, because I'm like, every everybody I go to is like, 12 bar blues, 12 bar blues, 12 bar blues. Oh, and then we're going to throw on this classic rock tune. And then like, maybe we'll do a surf song or something. Yeah. Yeah, this was totally different. Totally I'm different. That, I'm that guy that gets up there on an acoustic and does stuff like uh, wildfire from Mike Martin Murphy. Okay. Or, okay. Uh, you know, or I'll go, um, or let it be or. Yeah. Know. Yeah. No, that's the kind of stuff I expect. Right. Yeah. That's classic I, Rocky, like. Poppy I mean, the only, stuff. yeah. The only protest songs I, I like uh, fortunate son. And uh, have you ever seen the rain, which is another protest yeah. song? Um, but other than that, you this, know, is, I, this stuff was earlier than that, even. And that's why yeah. I'm like, ooh, like I, people I like, like it. it. Yeah, no, you I know, it, dude was super cool. He was a, he was a uh, an older gentleman, um, and uh, I hope he comes back next time I'm up there because I, I really enjoyed hearing it. But um, you should jump up with him. Well, you know, I, I was going to ask because the guy that was yeah. playing Alice in Chains and stuff, I'm like, man. I'm like, I know all of those solos. Just call me up there. Like, I got yeah. it. I got it by ear. I don't even have, like, I don't even, I, I, I play along with the records enough that it's just like, I don't need to really, like, know how to play it. Like, I, I know the no, notes enough. Just, I can fake it for you. <laughs> Trust me. I was just doing that tonight when I was playing around with this. I was like, oh, you know what? Because I was looking at Nick Bonger's uh, uh, thing on online because he showed off his flashy guitar. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to play uh, um, some Kiss here. So I don't want to turn this into the David show, but I do want to bring up one last thing about this. Uh, the open mic thing. So I bought the angry driver, right? I didn't use it obviously, but here's the funny part. I get there. I'm there about 45 minutes early. Um, we get a table right up front. I'm sitting there and I see people start coming in, right? Yep. People are bringing in giant pedal boards. I'm not talking a little pedal boards. The guy had a pedal train Terra. Oh, all right. Whoa. 42 inch pedal board. Holy shit. The Terra. And so, and so him and his buddy are talking and I'm over here and I'm like, oh, I'll be nice. I'll go introduce myself. And I over here and they're using the AX8. So I'm like, oh, fractal. Like, I'm interested. I want to hear what this thing sounds like. I'm yeah, yeah, really yeah. happy that I'm here tonight because I get to hear one in person, like in a gig situation. And yep. Um, anyway, a lot different. The funny thing was the guy with the pedal train Terra, that's all that was there. He had he had an X an AX8 on it. So it was like three-quarter empty. I was gonna say that's that's like a great big pedal board with like this much stuff on it. No, not that there's anything wrong with that, but no, I'm just no. like 
I'm, I was just kind of funny because I was like, oh, I was expecting him to have all these really cool boutique pedals and stuff. And it is like an AX8. Yeah, an AX8. Oh, all right, AX8. that works. They <laughs> probably did. There's a there's a couple of people um, that are online uh, in my area that are selling off their big, huge pedal boards. Yeah. They got an Axe Effect. Well, I after going through that gig, I came home and I spent, not, not a gig, that whole thing. I came home and I spent all day the next day dialing in Helix patches. Because I am bound and determined to go back there with my Helix yeah. and see what it sounds like. I and really want to get right into the PA situation and go right into the PA yep. and see if I can if I can eke something out of it. Because just playing through that GNX, like I was like, man, I was like, this is fine. To be honest yep. with you, I could feel a difference, but it wasn't enough that like the audience could tell. Right, and I was still having fun, so I'm like, you know, I could get by with the. And you no. might be surprised what it sounds like cranked in a, in an environment like that. Well, with the patches like, I dialed in, it's going to sound freaking great because yeah. uh, I I I'm taking a whole new approach. I will share these patches in the group for anybody who has a Helix if you want to check them out. I, awesome. Yeah, they're going to have they have impulse responses with them, but I can tell you what the impulse responses are. You can either go out and get them, or you can just put a cabinet model from the Helix on them. And check them out but they're they're cool i like them and and i think they're the best patches i've ever made uh, and i spent this morning i got up at about 6 a.m i came in, in the living room and i played until my fingers were about to bleed uh and dialed in some more so it's a whole new ball game for me i'm, I'm looking at things differently the guy at the ax the ax8 i like the sound it's a little dark but i like the sound quite a bit and i think that sounded better than the guys that were there with an amp so what it's worth i think i think going direct now may be the thing yep uh, i honestly you know the world is going to that as as much as we keep fighting it um the the world around us is moving forward and if you don't you can keep up or you cannot keep up and you can have your own voice nobody is telling you you can't have no 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 no, no. i well that's what that's what the impulse responses allow you to do i mean you you custom tailor what you're using the IRs you like may not be the IRs the other guy likes. That's right. And the amp models you and and so before it's all over with, you've got a completely custom thing anyway. The other thing is, uh, I was talking to to a listener to show Jeff Biesiadecki, who uh, works at Good Time Music, and he and I we both have helixes. He's got he's got the stomp. I've got the full you know the the floor, and we were having a big discussion about how, you know, we both think that the helix is really good, but it's not as good as a real amp. But then I, 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 it dawned on me as, course, as, through, as part of the course of the conversation. That's what this is, though. These amps, they're luxury items. That's right. And they they're are. really, really cool, but they're luxury items. And I think we're getting more, if, as being a practical guitarist, we're getting more towards not using the luxury items. Especially in those kinds of situations. Who the heck? There were people bringing their amps in, right, to this place. I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> I just... No, and it was snowing like oh, do we had we had uh, six inches of snow that night, Jeez. and and it was falling an inch an hour. So, like we were all looking out the windows to see you know how hard it was going to be to drive home to judge when to leave. Yeah, and these guys are carrying their amps, and I'm just shaking my head like why, why yeah. <laughs> you know? Anyway, so so yeah, take over, so we're, Jim. <clears throat> all right, um, so I'm gonna. Uh, so how do I prepare? Well, what I usually do is I'll write down, I'll find out what kind of, of open mic it is, if it's acoustic or if it's electric. And then just like you, I'll, I'll set up something where I can plug direct. Um, and typically 
if it's an acoustic gig, I'll put down what songs I want to do, and I'll probably run through them two or three times. Um, I I try to pick songs that I could sing in my sleep and that I can play in my sleep. So that just like you were talking about, I can say, you know what, I can do that, um, and I can I can do it for for hours without having anybody tell me what to do. Um, if they're electric songs, I might spend a little more time. Uh, and, uh, only because for me, even though people will go, Oh, electric song, you can do whatever you want. You can, you can skip solos and blah, 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 blah. I like, I like to have electric songs have solos. So I try to re, um, uh, organize them so that there is a, you know, a, there is that I've, I've set them up so that I can go into a solo, whether I bring a looper or, um, I ask somebody to just play the chords. Which usually, if you go to an open mic show, somebody's basic. But I, there are a lot of songs I play that that this the chords aren't basic, like um, "Sister Golden Hair" and stuff like that from, from America. Sounds basic till you play it, then you find out there's there's eight chords on the intro. Yeah, eight chords and repeat. moving bass lines and <laughs> yeah, you know. moving bass line. And the same with "Horse with No Name" is is simple yes. on the chords, but oh my god, there's the two guitars to two di- two different voicings and the bass line is just um, and the and the solo is not as easy as it comes across either. Um, it's a it's a really cool, completely picked, no no uh, uh, pull offs or no legato uh, solo. So, um, anyway, you know, and then I'll get there and um, I'll talk to whoever is hosting um, and uh, try to get myself to where um, I know somebody. Usually, uh, I'll know somebody because even if you've been in. Uh, a local area for a very short time. If you go to enough open mics, you've met everybody. Oh, and that's funny. That's what's funny. Cause I was sitting there and I'm like, I, I, people I was seeing there, I'm like, I know you from somewhere. Yeah. And I do. And I know them all from good time or like from, you know, I've yep. seen them in good time. They may not go in there all the time, but like, that's how I remember them. Yep. Um, I yeah, mean, just... way too much. Yeah, you've seen them at a guitar store. You've Sorry, seen them delivering your pizza. I'm just kidding. Um, so, all right, so uh, the question, I guess, is pretty much answered, and, and I'll say this, um, original or covers? Um, both. Yeah, I was going to say. Both. No, I mean, there were all covers there that night, but, yeah. uh, but I fully intend on going back and doing some originals. It's going to have to be in the right context, though. A lot of my original music, like, if I come up and I, I have a song called 7-8 Song, which is a song that's actually... It's not in seven eights, but you could play it in seven eights. The, the drum tracks in seven eights. It's, right. not, it's not a song that should be performed with people who've never played it before. <laughs> right. Um, but I fully intend on doing it. Uh, we'll see how it goes. And the and the danger of um, the only danger I say danger like it's a like bad thing. The only danger of doing a song in, se- in the, not in seven eight in in uh, that's written by yourself is. You can't really just pull somebody up on stage and say, okay, let's go. Unless it's a typical four, one, four, five, you know, uh, a minor six turnaround. Yeah. I mean, you're basically going to have to play like one chorus out of it. Yep. Get the, the bass player to know what you're doing. Yep. And then, and then it's going to, you just go with it. Like it'll work, but you know, you've got to be prepared for that. You're not, you have to be able to carry that tune by yourself for an entire verse chorus, you know, cycle. Yep, or, absolutely. And then your bridge better be the same chords, but maybe in a different feel or something, because you're just going to have to 
to work it out that way. Um, these guys are cool enough. I could probably, I, I know both hosts on Facebook now. Um, they're both connected to good time in a various way. I could probably just send them a copy of the song and be like, I want to play this, you know, just listen to it once. So we know what's going on. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing. If you know the people, you can share a chart um, and do a quick um, run over the song. There were people uh, there with, uh, they were set up chairs for music stands and putting, you know, chord charts up there for everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, that's fine. And there's Again, nothing it's wrong. It's the time Especially. signature that's a bigger problem than four. Anything in four, four is doable. Anything yeah. outside of four, four gets a little tricky with three, four or something like that, but it's going to get really difficult once you get into those really odd time signatures. That's right. So now I want to talk about the difference um, between a jam and an open mic. Yes. Um, and they are very different for people who don't know what a jam is. There used to be, they used to be a lot more popular. I used to go to a jam in a place called the Jewish mother in Virginia beach. Um, it was fantastic in the eighties. Yeah. I don't um, think jams are as good as good as good for the audience. No, but for they, the musicians. No, I know. But I think the clubs are hoping that they're going to attract actual audience people to come and right. watch at an open mic. Whereas. Right. For the jam night, it's just musicians. I mean, a jam is just for musicians. And typically you meet your really high-end people at a jam. Yeah, because yeah. an open mic, it, it can be, one person will be incredible and the next person will suck pond water through his ass. I mean, it's just the, the two ends of the spectrum. Um, there'll be someone who's in, got an angelic voice and someone who sounds like Kermit the Frog after a binge. I was pretty impressed with all the people I saw, but I mean, I have been to open mics where yeah. people like get up you're, on you're, stage with their guitar out of tune and they're like, just yep. going for it. And they you don't even know. They don't yeah, even they don't, They're blissfully unaware. I've been that guy too. So yep. they're, they're yeah. blissfully unaware that their guitar is out of tune and that they can't sing. And they sound like, like I said, like Kermit the Frog um, uh, on a, on a bad day. Um, so anyway, um, and, and at an open mic, you're always rolling the dice. Sometimes, like you said, that was a that was a good one. You had some some sour people. I'll tell you though. Now, now open mics, it's different in different areas. You go to an open mic in Nashville. In Nashville, yeah, you're gonna see some people that that just I'm I'm not even going. They will there. obliterate you. I will. <laughs> yeah, they will. They will torch everything that you do as a musician. And I would I would I would be the first one to go. Yeah, that's okay. I'm not playing. I mean, those are those are people. Oh, I don't. Are, no, I don't mind playing with playing, you know, and not being the caliber of player of everybody else. Because so I think the expectation is an open mic is like it's not a real show. It's a place for people to come and kind of showcase what they do, but not necessarily to provide real entertainment. You know, right. correct. So, and, and so I've got to say that that um, uh, and now I'm I'm the kind of person that. I can get on stage and jam out and really get things going. You were talking about nerves. If you tell me though, Hey, you know, so-and-so right there, they used to play for whatever band or, you know, real popular band or real good band. I, I suddenly all my nerves kick in. I go, I, I forgot how to play the guitar. <laughs> I don't know why. So I just tell people, if you know somebody in a crowd, just don't tell me. It's okay that they, they're a good musician. Just don't tell me that way. I don't know. And I'm okay with it. It's just like when you turn the microphone on, you go, ah, you know, um, some people can't record. Um, it's, it's the same. thing. Um, so anyway, um, you know, one of the things that people use open mics for, so open mics have a lot of different purposes. One obviously is to get the bar a little more full on a Tuesday night or, to, you know, the little coffee house or club or whatever, get more people on your Tuesday night. 
a lot of people are hoping to get a gig, and I want to go to this part of it, out of an open mic. So what is the what is the standard protocol? What is your what is the way you should act when you walk into an open mic? Especially if you expect to be a paid musician. What what are some of the things you want to do, David? Sorry, I'm really distracted, but but That's okay. If you were if you were to walk into an open mic and you were you were um you were thinking, you know what, I'd like this place to to hire to me. bring you back in. Um right. I would pick the three songs that I feel are the strongest in my repertoire. I'd look for one that's slow, I'd look for two that are reasonably paced, I'd put the one that I'm best at third, I'd put the one that, that I feel confident about in front, and then the slow one in the middle to show yeah. dynamics and try to showcase. Because normally it's a three song set, you know. Right. Uh, right. you might get five you might get a five do it the right way but but three song set just go for it pick solid songs make sure you have vocals and uh try to bring the band that's actually going to be playing them like don't show up and expect the host to handle drums or something right so that so that you know you come in for the and then and then let the bartender know afterwards well go up drop them off a card say you know hey we came out to play the open mic tonight. We really like the club. Like we'd like to come back and play a regular show. Here's our card. Call us here. Right. Here's a, so I'm going to put a couple more. As a matter of fact, David, as far as handling the um, uh, the show part, your showcase. Yeah, that's exactly what you should do. It should be the musicians that are going to do it, not somebody standing in. Oh, we our bass player, our bass players are home, or our drummers are home, um, or our singer couldn't make it. Got the flu, and then hey, you want to hire us? Oh yeah, sure. Um, we didn't even hear what you sound like. No, it's come okay. in professional. You know, that's right. Obviously, bring your bring your A game, including your equipment. Don't bring that shitty squire with it with a broken uh, low E because you're gonna play uh, because you're gonna play you know um, uh, Rolling Stones tunes. Like yeah. bring in a reasonable guitar that yep. sounds good. Um, and uh, um, so all that stuff is is perfect. The other thing is remember. You, the second you walk in, you're making your first impression. Yeah. Be very so, nice, cordial, say hello to everybody. That's right. Be nice. Tip. Yes. Um, absolutely. Even if, get, even if you get water, tip. Even if it's And make sure you get something thing. while you're there. That's right. Like Usually, I felt bad the other night because we were, we didn't get anything. We had, we were all sick. We went to Taco Bell for awful. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I would have got bought, leftovers. I usually buy food because <laughs> I don't drink. So I yeah. buy food. Right. Um, right, but you know that's what happens. I, I usually I'll make sure I'll buy a beer and leave it if I have to because that's yeah. it's really about making sure the bar exactly. Goes. It's it's about the people. I mean, you can buy a, a shot and leave it because a shot's two bucks or whatever. I get a well drink and I'd rather just give them two bucks on the bar. And be like, here's tip for having open. And that's exactly what I would do. I would drink water and then I'd tip them through you know two or three dollars just to say that hey, I appreciate you. Um, dress the way you're gonna you're gonna dress. Yes, yes. Uh, that's another mm-hmm. big thing. Like, don't show up looking like you just mowed somebody's lawn. Yeah. Like Paul Schaefer in the CBS Orchestra. Yeah. You're all sweating. You look that like... That was an old joke, but yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and you know, have you seen Paul Schaefer lately? He's still looking good. He's still... He looks pretty good for his age. He's got to be. Jesus, 70. I remember him in uh, This Is Spinal Tap. You want to kick my ass? Go ahead. Kick my ass right now. <laughs> that was a great scene. Uh, so um the uh uh the other um the other thing is that that uh um just make sure that you remember that everything you do while you're there don't be pushy you want to make sure that if you if you have a press pack bring it don't just hand it off to the waitress 
it'll never get to Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it'll just end up in her car or in the garbage. Exactly. You've got a press pack that you want to hand off. Make sure it goes to the person that does the booking. Um, it's it's difficult. I, I'll tell you that most clubs they just that it's uh it's most tough. Most clubs they have a phantom bookie now anyway. Yep. They're never there. Like I, yep. I know a lot of clubs here use agencies. Yeah, doing the pay to play thing. That's right. Which is really crappy. So um, down know, here, it's to do that. I mean, down here it's agencies, and you're gonna you're giving up a piece of your a piece of your income. It's just how it is. Yeah, most of the time. If you want the big gigs. All right, so um, that's good for open mics, I think. Um, let's talk. Uh, let's talk um, about uh, guilty pleasure gear. What is the piece of gear? That you have, that you will not get rid of. It is a guilty pleasure. You know, it's just a piece of crap. You should get rid of it. But you, still I have several have guilty pleasure. Give, I have me, several. Give, me your, give me your guilty pleasure. Well, I got the, I got the red unicorn. Uh, okay. um, I have, you know, and 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 I, I don't want to say piece of crap. I would say guilty pleasure for me is like something I own that I don't use out. I don't like. I really don't have any use for it, but I like it too much to get rid of it. I yep. got a lot of stuff like that. Um, yep. Really, right now, I'm playing my two S500s 95% of the time. The other 5% of the time is my SG. Yep. I have that Ibanez turd that I never touch. The red unicorn is hanging in the wall as, a, as an ornament with, with really good pickups in it, no less. Um, and uh, you will find a reason. You will be oh, no, playing that thing I'll be using for rhythm. I, I plan on play, using that for rhythm tracks, but. Um, I have um, my Mark V right now. It's collecting dust. I don't use it in my condo. I don't play out. So I'm, it's not going anywhere. It's still my primary amp. But I can't push it hard enough to actually, like, get good sound out of it. So it just sits. Um, the right gig, you're going to go, oh, man, I wish I had No, it. no, I am not selling that thing. Let, oh, yeah. Let's make it very clear. That's sticking around. Uh, that's one of those amps that, like, I wanted. I've been wanting a Mark II C Plus probably the entire time I've played guitar. And when I finally realized that they had the Mark II C plus mode in the Mark V 25 and that like John Petrucci did that demo video where he showed like what, what it can sound like. I went, I'm going to go get one of those because that was like very much one of those tones that's always been in my head and I always wanted. So now I have it not going anywhere because at some point I'm going to want to dig it out. But um, other things I've had, I mean, I've, I have had to come to Jesus with myself several times. It's like, look, you really love this piece of gear, but you it. and you're not going to miss it. Like when it's gone, you're not going to be like, oh, I really wish I still had that thing. Yeah. And none of it that I've sold like that. Have I ever looked back and been like, man, I wish I kept that. Um, so I have a zoom pedal from the nineties. When Zoom really started, like they had those uh, the analog pedals they did. Um, no, oh, it's the multi effects. Multi effects is inexpensive multi effects. The five hundred five um, series, and uh, no, it's pre it predates that. Well, the five hundred five one was the first multi effects guitar. Yeah, that might be it. Might be the one. I had, I have had one in my possession for a while, and it's oh, oh, it's a dog. It's it's terrible. It doesn't sound good in anything. And you still use that thing, right? But it was a gift. No, it was oh. a gift, and I won't sell. 
It's I thought like, I was the first person to give you a guitar-related gift, but at Christmas. You are. No, a Christmas gift, birthday gift, or anything like that. Yeah. This person just, they, they gave it to me because they were throwing it out. Oh, cool. wonderful. Like, that's, a, that's a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Here, but, take my garbage. Know, yeah, but it, he passed away, and it's just like. Yeah, sentimental at that point. Yeah, it's sentimental value thing. He, he was a, um, his name was uh, Rudy, and he was, a, he was an incredible guitar player. He, he was a guy, I told you, the Digitech, you were talking about the Digitech. He played through a Digitech RP pedal. Um, and it wasn't even a GN, it was RP. And he could he could pull off um uh like into a blues junior, yeah. a 90s, you know, a 1990s something blues junior with an with an old RP, and he made that thing sound come. He was the kind of person that could dial. I had the RP, I liked it. I thought you could do some cool stuff. I just thought all the amp models that it sounded the same. Oh yeah, they 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 were. But he he was pushing a um, blues junior, and he I think he was one of those guys. You know, you can pull a tube. Um, I don't know if the junior has two tubes, but he was one of those guys that could he could he would pull you know stuff out of his yin yang to push the amp. Yeah. Even though I, I don't remember what it was that he did for a mod. I know some people. Um, it's he not solid it's, state tubes in it. Because you can get those, they had those where you could put like a, it was a solid state tube that you could put in there. It was supposed to be for reliability, but it yeah. would make the amp like respond differently. That yeah. was a really popular thing to do. Yeah, he would push that thing. He was loud. I'll tell you right now. Um, but uh, yeah, he passed away. Um, so anyway, I've got that. Um, just because, like I said, he he was like, oh, I don't use this anymore. You want it? Sure. Um. And it had no value then. It probably it's probably worth five dollars now. Uh, I saw it? a pawn shop sticker that said twenty dollars. I had it. Really? Pay. Oh well, then maybe I should sell it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no. So uh, that's one of the things you've seen. My blue. Um, I have a Bentley acoustic guitar. That thing has been literally halfway around the world. It's been. I played it in Greece. I played it in Turkey. I played it in Germany. I played it in Italy. I played it all over the world. Um, every coffee house and place that would let me play for for free food or or money, I played. Um, I dropped it. I was I was on a ship. Yeah, I remember um, you telling me about that. I dropped it. It's it's broken, literally. Uh, but it still plays. It still plays fine. Um, it's it's an acoustic electric. In other words, it's got a pickup. Um, I want to get a new pickup system in it. I don't want to do anything great because it's never going to sound fantastic. It's not a, it's not a tailor. It's not a, not even a freaking Epiphone. It's only this thick. Um, you know, I don't know if people can't see me, but it's only like two inches deep, um, uh, inch and a half maybe uh, on the actual inside hollow side, hollow part. Um, it's got America signed it for me. Um, it was, it was, um, a gift to myself from me to me, um, for, you know, starting to do this, I, I was an open mic night host and I hosted an open mic for like five years. And, uh, so I, when I was in port, <clears throat> I was the host of the open mic. It was me and the, another guy I was on ship with for the longest time. Then it was me alone when I went to shore duty and then went to another ship. And, uh, it's been, it's been with me ever since. So I've had it since 1986 or 85 and I just, I won't sell it. I wanted an ovation. At the time, I was that guy. I was like, oh, that guy's got a better guitar than me. I am so glad I didn't buy an ovation because I now have an ovation. You can see it right here. Yeah. And it's terrible. I gigged that jet, that, that 
Jasmine? Why were the ovations so damn popular? Because I remember there was a time when, like, they were super popular. Because Glenn Campbell and um, Nancy Wilson from Heart played Ovation. That And I think it was because they shoved them down their throats. A lot of people say that was why Rickenbacker became popular in the 60s, because they just... They would just give them to the English musicians, um, and uh, I've heard that. But I've also heard like like the Beatles went in and actually purchased some uh, yeah. the the black frying pan model that uh, George Harrison had was purchased. For example, yeah. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I, I don't think, know. I think you got to remember at that time, like there weren't very many electric guitars around. No, uh, and Rick and Backer was one of the big three. It was yeah. Them. Uh, Gibson and yeah. Fender. That was it. <laughs> Nobody was playing Tisco's live, like nope. <laughs> you know. Nope. So. Um, and so uh I think Dan Electro was the only other one that was being used, and that was later um by uh, uh yeah, and even those and everybody were, talks like, crap about kit guitars, like people didn't like them, they were they were cheap and you would they get were a- still shit guitars. It's just that they they were okay as a slide guitar because the you could have the action. Well, I mean, guitar. Jimmy Page used one not as a slide guitar, but my point is that like they were they were seen as a beginner instrument. Yeah, and so people avoided them. Yeah. I still see them like a beginner. Um, I th- I mean, I've played a couple that I really liked. I and in the states you didn't have it, but Benson was around. Was a Benson or yeah, um, yeah. Well, Benson, yeah, right. We didn't have. They, it. They made guitars over there it overseas. Exists. That's what uh, that's what um, the red guitar that uh, Queen built was was based. So, all right. Oh, um, I thought that was a uh, uh, Burns. Burns. That's it. Burns. Vincent is the effects pedal. Burns is the uh, guitar company. I yeah. I I seem to remember Benson having their name attached to a guitar. I don't know. I just I, I remember. Yeah, that was Burns. As a matter of fact. Yeah, he he wound up. He had the Burns trisonic pickups in it. I don't know if there was a Burns model that it was supposed to emulate, but because he was really into the Stratocaster, he wanted to build the Stratocaster. Realized he couldn't do it. Yep, which I I find hard to believe. Well, it had to do with that the trim. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He he built he engineered that trim. Yep, yep. Um, okay, so <laughs> all right, going right along with that though. If is there a brand that you you would look at and you would just say I would never buy that brand? All right. Anything. So you you listeners of the show, you know, you've heard me say things about certain companies, DHS, Friedman, uh, and various others. My opposition to those companies is purely personal. Um, I don't like something that's going on with the company. It's not necessarily they don't like the company itself. Uh, I have said things about other companies like, like Kiesel and uh, I'm, I'm sure there are other guitar companies that I've, I've just gone down. Um, and really, I mean, if it was the right thing, yes, I would buy it. JHS. Let's, let's talk about JHS. Cause they're the ones that like are the easiest to pick on. I cannot stand J, the JHS business model. Um, and if you're not inclined, the JHS business model is to, let's say, let's talk about this. I've got the uh, the Angry Driver in my hand. They've got their name on this Boss co- collaboration pedal. It's yep. the first collaboration for Boss. And it inside has an Angry Driver. 
Yeah. What do you think the angry driver is? What do you think the angry driver is? Is it their, not the angry, the angry Charlie? Do you think it's their proprietary circuit that they came up with to sound like a Marshall? No. No, it's a MI, MI Crunch Lab, Super Crunch Lab, I believe. Uh, so if you stop and you, and you scratch your head a little bit and you start digging around, every single pedal they put out is either in the public domain or it's a design that they knocked off from somebody else. And a lot of times from, from people I've talked to, it's not a design they knocked off and changed. It's verbatim the same pedal. And they have gotten in trouble for it repeatedly. But the thing is, circuits aren't copyrightable the same way as, like, say, a book. Yep. So he can get away with it. That's right. And uh, it's just, I mean, it's just a nightmare. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, think, I think the reason why I shy away from JHS is they don't do enough stuff that's, like, unique. And yep. that is just a whole other thing unto itself. I'm not going around and I'm buying everybody's Tube Screamer clone. Never going to happen. I have one Tube Screamer right now, and I have not played it in, like, months. It's in the box. I'm supposed to be sending it to Jim. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and the point is that uh, I just – it has to be purpose-built for, for a specific thing. I don't think, like, going to the store and saying, oh, there's this new Blues Driver clone. I really got to have that. It just uh, it's just mind boggling to me. Like, well, again, that's that's why I got to get that Wampler um, Blues Driver to you now because um, now you can side by side with well, that I, angry I driver. So I've got a I've got a, a DS one that was that had the quote unquote Keeley mod. Um, oh, yeah. first off, I don't think they did the Keeley mod to it. But second off, yeah. uh, it has it has been modified. Like I've seen the inside of the pedal, and there's a switch on it, and it does do things. Uh, but it just doesn't, it does not enhance the sound of the pedal. Let's put it that way. And um, I really feel like if I, I would have to get a real one, but even with this pedal being modified, I just don't think it's any better than the stock one. Yeah. And so I found that with a lot of these clone pedals that they're not any better than the stock unit. Well, I can tell you that the blues driver, cause I had the blues driver obviously. And then I sent it to Wampler. I got it back a few months later maybe three, two months later. Um, and when I did, um, it's a different pedal. It is a completely different pedal. That I can say with 100%. So um, I, I can tell you that when it comes to stuff that I poo-poo, um, first of all, I will not play a fake Gibson. If you want to give me a fake Gibson that says like Chuck on it, that's fine. Well, I think it's stuck on it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I have my issues with counterfeit goods. Right. I mean, that's basically the same thing as when I look at JHS, except that JHS wants to charge twice what they're worth. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, 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 um, I agree with you there because, um, as far as I'm concerned, <clears throat> if you're going to, if you're going to create this, this is my problem. Uh, and I'm not knocking analog Mike because he does a completely different thing. By the way, you're going to create a um, a tube screamer clone. You say I've got a tube screamer clone, and I I change the circuit so that it you know it suddenly makes breakfast and and cleans the dogs. Yeah, whatever. Oh. Yeah. Um. Okay, but um, why am I giving you 
if I can buy a tube screamer for 150 bucks, why am I giving you? Why would I buy the clone? Unless it's right. unless it's like the bee's knees, total redesign thing. Like I right. So so I watched. Um, I, there's a couple of videos out right now with uh, the, the guy that does way huge. Um, oh, George Trips. Yep. And he's been doing the the press circuit because they got some new pedals coming out. Um, and Trips had an interesting observation. He said, "I when I started making." Um, he said, when I started making, uh, these, these tube screamer clothes in the beginning, I didn't want them to be, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. I didn't want them to be, you know, that different. I wanted them to be a tube screamer, but then hmm. he made, he made it a tube screamer with true bypass. You know, he took the, right. he took the buffer circuit out like that. I get, cause that's a whole nother thing. Nobody had it done is. a tube screamer with no with with through bypass, at least not right. in the in the uh, you know saleable market. Um, right. And so that I get, but like because that's a major modification to that pedal. Right, but to, right. To have somebody be like, "Oh, I changed a couple of resistors and a couple of capacitors," like what? I, okay, yeah. you improve the tone somewhat, you know, um, but it's not really the same thing at all as you know saying that it's it's a different pedal. Right. Um, and I, I get it, you know, I, I, some people are just all about little tiny incremental changes. Um, yeah. and some people collect, I know people who have, you know, five or six different tube screamers. Yeah. And they're all from different manufacturers and they all do different things. Um, but uh, like JHS, the problem I have is a lot of the time there's this like, oh, we'll take this pedal, we'll make a clone of it and then we'll yeah. make it surface mount and we're going to charge the original pedals only 95 bucks. But we're going to charge two hundred for ours, and we're going to put it in a different box. Right? It's suddenly, absolutely uh, insane. Yeah. Look at how much better ours is, and no, and, and that's the only thing. I mean, I'm not again. I'm not knocking JHS. I don't know how much work they put into it, but eventually the R and D gets paid for, and and the pedal should come down in price. Not yeah, but, but that's the thing. Like what? Oh, so when I buy, uh, I mean, if I go to a bar, Barber Electronics, right, and I buy their Fuzz, which is a, a Triangle Muff clone. Their their triangle muff clone is yep. by hand. Okay. Yep. Surface mount implies not made by hand. That right. Means, that means populated board with a machine. Yep. Feel it, put it in a case, and That's send right. it out. That's not made by hand. No, not 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 in the same way at all. There's so much more labor involved with somebody actually doing all the hand soldering in a in a barber pedal than something yep. that puts out. But JHS still wants to charge 190 bucks. Yeah. Like it's insane. Yeah. It, it, it's because they have so much clout because they're a member of the boutique world, which they they stopped being boutique a long time ago. Um, it just drives me nuts. And then you got Wampler, right? He he prices his pedals pretty much the same way, except his stuff is hand soldered in a lot of cases. Right. I haven't taken apart too many of their pedals. But I know that they they do do a lot of hand construction over there. I know they do. They are ordering. I think their uh, their true bypass board, uh, yep. the relay. I think is ordered out. I, I know, know there's there's a couple of things that Brian out. Wampler puts money into, and that's the R and D side of it, and also the customer service side of things. Sure, sure. He is he is way into that. I just don't see um, his profit margin being what JHS's is. No, he's he's been being pushed and pushed and pushed. He finally had to bring the price up on his pedals. But it's all because of the stuff that gets in. But his isn't, he's not going, okay, you know what? I got a circuit. 
Let's go out to, you know, Chinese place A. You press my boards. We'll send them back here. And then I'm going to put them into my pedals. Um, he's doing that still in, in from what I understand, um, doing that still in, in Indiana. All I, all I know is that um, there are so many electronic devices. Let's look at DVD players, Blu-ray players, look at everything else. The R&D gets paid for by the, by the early adopters, and they pay a shitload of money for it. And then the prices start to come into a reasonable amount. I still don't know why a lot of pedals haven't moved towards that 200 and under mark, you know, or, you know, somewhere in $200 or under. I just um, don't get how much R&D there is in a pedal that is 90% complete before they it, even touch it. Exactly. The, in a, in a quote unquote clone. And we took a, you know, we, we have a, an, an Ibanez tube trimmer clone. We have, you know, we made this, we made this pedal so much better by throwing a capacitor in there. Don't, the get, me, don't get me wrong. Like I get living wage and all that. We yeah, know the boss. Uh, if I look at my boss pedal right here, it says made in Taiwan on the back of yeah. it. Um, and I and understand the, that those countries have cheaper labor than us and they can right. do that and they can charge. I think we just put it was $200. Yeah. Um, so uh, I just, I get it. Um, they could do that with this. If it's made in the States, that's a whole other thing because obviously state stateside labor is different and there is labor still involved in, uh, in, you know, in uh, surface melt, but surface melt is by and large taking out most of the labor from it. So right. Um, okay, so the next thing uh, let's talk about. Um, we we talked about the open mic. I'm going to save uh, my point five for later. All right, let's talk about. Uh, well, actually, you know what? We're talking about gear. Like I said, the pickups are in the Ibanez. Looking forward to it. Um, John, uh, who happens to be listening in, so yeah. he's, he's muted right now. Um, he asked us about the Katana, what we thought about the top um, top mounted effects. And I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give a hand signal. The top mounted effects. He's saying are, they're number one, folks. They are, they are number one with me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, um, John. And that's and that's the thing um, to me. Uh, um, you can't see it. It's actually right behind me. It was lazy. The very top of it, right there. You can see the very top of it. You can actually see the controls. I had it up. There's a, there's a, um, my Hughes and Kettner's over here. My, my, they got to get to video episodes. Everybody's like, they want to. And, and the, exactly, you know, um, uh, you know, we, we're going to have to have a group, uh, discussion again here soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, the Katana, the, it was actually up a little higher. It was actually about this level right here, which is this this white thing underneath the guitars. And I couldn't control the damn thing. And of course, again, you get to that that freaking um uh the, the pedal board. Really all the board does is let me change the channels. Yeah. One, one of the four buttons on the back of it, you know. It's like, okay, here's the four buttons. But I still have to go in there and I have to dial it in, which means going into my computer. Yeah. Okay, let's dial this one in. Let's dial this one in. Let's dial this one in. And I still got, I've got direct access to four. But you have indirect access to eight. Yes, correct. But you have direct access to four. And that's still, a, a, oh, that's a pet peeve with me. You guys are going to really laugh because I'm going to give you, I'm going to blow your minds when we talk about this. It's going to be really bad. Um, so I can, I can hook up my uh, Marshall two channel to it. Two, two channel um switcher to it 
or I can hook up the, um, the PC electronic G system I've got here. Yeah. I can hook that up to it and also do the two channel switching and do the four channel switching with the GAFC because because of course they came up with some proprietary thing you can only you can only do with that it's a hundred and twenty dollars and and even used they're over a hundred dollars I mean and, and they're very seldom listed anyway um, eBay you name it um, which I'm, I'm surprised there's no Chinese knockoffs I'm surprised nobody from another company has gone in and said you know what I can do this and and done it for the Anyway, my um, when it comes to amplifiers with the with the top mounted controls, um, Mesa does it right. Mesa puts it right in the front. Boogie does it. So lots you know, of companies do it right. Um, so this is this is this is why this happens, right? The katana head is the same way. Controls are on the back. I think if you do that on a head, you ought to be slapped, okay? Yeah. Because yeah. in reality, all they have to do, flip <sighs> it over, put it in the right place, and I'm not even, if you do it and you think about the geometry, a lot of times you, you don't even have to change where the nameplate is at on the damn head. What about that six-inch speaker, though? Honestly, on that thing, it is, that is the six-inch speaker. Yeah, that's probably why they did it on the, on the Katana head, to be honest with you. Because if you see the artist, they obviously put the controls in the front, right? Yep. Which makes sense. Yep. But here's the thing. On a combo amp, if it's sitting on the floor, which I know you yeah. guys stands, 99% of the people who are buying these things don't have stands. That's right. Okay? It's not a terrible design. It's, no. it's not It's not forward thinking, but it's not terrible. Right. I think it still would be better if they put it in the front. But at the same time, like I get... What, what they're thinking is that most people will probably be standing over it. I think that to, you'd have to crouch down to get in front of it to see it on the stage. You, you come back to the whole, um, sorry, my back itches here. That's why um, the whole uh, question um, of, of who, who is this targeted for? Why didn't like, why didn't they include a foot switch? Well, because really these are not the, Although I'm going to say this, the 50, I'll say that the 50 and under, yes, don't need to include a foot switch. You don't need all that stuff. The top mounted stuff is fine. Yeah. When, you're, when you're saying you can gig with this, then you're telling me that I should be able to put that behind me and I should be able to control it. But I've got to add well, another $100 pedal, $120 so, pedal. So that depends on, that's, see, that's the thing. Like they, I come down on both sides of that argument too, because I get what you're saying, Jim. Yes, I bought a four-channel lamp, and I should have access to all four channels live. Yes. And yes. I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I think if they put a two-channel foot switch in the box, that would be fine. As long as they tell you, if you want to have access to all four channels, then you're going to have to upgrade to the GAFC for you know, 125. Um, I, I, that I get. Don't they get me wrong. That, There's no foot switch in the box, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Again, the GAFC is not just for that, and and it it at one hundred and twenty dot. Come on, it's a four button foot switch. You cannot tell me there's one hundred and twenty dollars worth of freaking electronics in there. It would be really it doesn't, really. it doesn't make coffee, and I and I have never seen it order donuts for me. Yeah, fifty dollars, John, is exactly what I'm thinking. Well, what but what I do find really funny about the GAFC is that this amp, this amp has more modeling capability under the hood. Than the old Line Six Flex Tone series did, 
Yep. And you had to use the FBV short board with the flex tones. I know, I know. And the and the flex tones weren't cheap either. They were in the yeah, five. You had 99 patches in those things. You could flip through it and page through everything. You could have every song that you wanted in your set list yep. right there ready to go. That's right. Not a four tones, like a real amp, yep. but completely neutered in a way. And yep. that's why I'm like, I just don't understand that part of it. I don't either. At so, this point, they should just let the cat out of the bag and be like, all right, look, we're going to give you a, a new foot switch that yep. has banks. Yep. And you have, have 99 presets. Pull up as many of them as you want. Uh, I, I, there may be, they may not be able to do that in the current edition. Maybe you could count a two. Well, I, I'll tell you why they should be able to. If the pedal board was the price of like an FBV, which is at what, 200 and something dollars? The FBV is more than that. Yeah, yeah 300 something dollars. $79. How much? Almost four hundred dollars, right? No, two hundred seventy. There's, there's the, intelligence. The one was three hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah. There's intelligence in there. So what you could do because there's not a whole lot of brain behind the no, software. This, if, you, if it's you connected to yeah, a stereo patches. cable, there's nothing going on in that thing. That's right. You could put the patches in the pedal, and now all you got to do is um, get the get the pedal to nine volts. Any freaking idiot that's got a pedal board has got nine volts. You put nine volts to that pedal board, and then you put the, the memory and the data in there because all it's got to do is hold the patch. The computer can upload the patches to that. And then, I don't know. I, I'm not going to. I don't think that. I don't. I honestly. I'm not going to pretend like I know how that thing's laid out inside. There may not be any memory to store patches. Just that, like the GT1000 no, no. only has space for 10 impulse responses. And, uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. The current one, there's no way the GAFC is holding that. I'm talking about if you went to. You said, okay, pay, pay us $200. we will put a cheap little 2 k because you don't need a lot of memory. Yeah, but I'm saying I don't know that it can communicate like that because it's only a, a stereo cable into the amp. I'm not going to pretend that that foot switch can have any intelligence on it. I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know. And that's, I mean, that's well, completely up to them. But, well, but I just think it's come out with one. You could come out with one that could go to the USB port. Yeah. I mean, that, and, and, and that is do, it's doable. That's right. And then if you wanted to, you could have P power over um, POE and then, well, yeah. 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 So or I, you can do the nine volt power. Either way, you can get power to it. You can USB to it and you can talk to the amp. Technically, the technically right way. now, you could go and get a USB to MIDI converter for that device. They actually, that, there's a company that makes them for boss products and yep. you could, you could just send MIDI signals right in the existing one. Yeah. So program and, your patches all as MIDI and rock and roll. And, and you can't tell me it can't be done. No, it, anyway, <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm just saying that for uh, what you're getting for $120, you got a dumb four channel switch. Yeah, it's 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 abysmal. But the thing is, they're not charging for the switch; they're charging with the features that the switch provides. That's um, that's the way they're perceived. It is something else that that switch does that leads me to believe that it's more than just tap tempo. It does tap tempo, but uh, hold on, it does volume control and it does um, wah. Yeah, which are just extra jacks on it for, for expression control. Which probably means it's just passing voltage back to the, the brain. Passing voltage yeah, back. The thing is, remember this. That unit that you have, the Katana, is just a GT100. That's yeah. all it is. I know. Except without memory. Because that's, that's why I've heard is like they, they didn't put any memory which on it. Which is why you can only load so many things right. to it at a time. Which all makes sense. But if you said to me, you know what, you could you could expand that memory by buying this, just like Blue does, Blue Guitar, Thomas Blue, 
He always says, hey, you know what? Yeah, that thing's pretty basic. But if you get this pedal board, that costs $250. Frankly, if I was if I was boss, I would I would discontinue the current katanas. I and would come it. out with a katana two the next year. You know, as as things progress when they when they run out of stock of the old ones. Yep. The katana two comes in. Uh and that's it's gotta be head and shoulders above the GT one. That's the problem I have with the katana is I can go buy a GT one, which is essentially a GT one hundred in yep. a little tiny package. And I don't get an amplifier with that, but for like 200 bucks, I get the foot controller and everything else included by whatever amp I want and use it as a clean pedal platform as long as it's got an effects loop. And guess what? The Katona, you could, yeah. So, all right. So let's, let's, um, John asked another question. He asked about putting an external speaker on the Katana. By the way, John, there's a YouTuber that put up a, um, because the, the artist, it, it, by the way, it's very easy. The artist, um, one of the selling points of the artist is you get a you get a was was a craft speaker, and so um, you can you can either replace the speaker, which is what you know you could do, or if you wanted, you could put an optional speaker out. Now, what you would have to do though, you would have to make it so that you disconnect the speaker that's in it. You you effectively turn it into a head. And all you do is you put, I mean, the guy went through it. He, he stepped through it. I don't know. I, it, it's not, a, it's not rocket science. Take a, um, you take the jacks off the speaker, you run them into a speaker box and then you uh, put the thing. And now you put from the speaker, you put an eighth inch cord whoop, into the, into the speaker jack. But now when you want to use another speaker, you just pop yours out, put a 16 ohm load on it. As long as you're putting a 16 or more load on it, that's the key. Um, I was looking oh. at um, chain daisy chaining my uh, two um, two by twelves. Um, as they stand, I can't because their um, their outputs are parallel, not not serial. So it, it would actually turn it into lower than eight ohms, and I wouldn't be able to run. So, quick quick question. Um, oh no, I was talking about the amp one. No, I know. We'll go back to the katana and the and, and just the faceplate position because I think that's a bigger issue here, like where the where the controls out right. So the layout on the back, right, um, comes from old like vintage Fender amps and and even stuff yep. that predates that. Um, yeah, because why wouldn't they be at least put them in the front? Well, I, it, it's annoying because you have to bend down, right? Like, and to get no, I mean you gotta you gotta reach over it. Yeah, or well, because yeah, you guys are putting on a stand, which is a whole other thing. No, like, I put them in the front on top. That not a lot of people do. Huh? Put them on top. Put them on the front. Oh well, yeah, no, 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 no. And I, I completely agree. Like that would be yeah. that the optimal way to lay out any amplifier, and I, and I totally agree with that. I'm just saying, like, I know why they did it. And now, if I back up, I say, what other, what other piece of gear are really freaking ridiculously uncomfortable to use? Fenders. No. No, 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 pedals. Get the fucking yes. bend over to adjust every single goddamn pedal you own. Oh. Now, here's the fun part: buy a helix. Yeah. Buy a helix. You never have to bend over again. No, you bend over all goddamn day long, unless you what? hook it up to your computer. What about? Can't you hook it up to an iPad? I thought you could hook it up no, to an iPad. No, there is no iPad. Oh my god! Really. Come on. No. <laughs> I'm for a piano stand. Um. Well, that's what a lot of people are doing. 
Yeah. Why the fuck should I buy a stand for a modeler? So yeah. I don't even, I honestly, my controls will never break on this thing because I don't use them. Plugs right into my computer. I do all my dialing in on my computer. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Yep. I mean, I get it. I, I understand. But that's how I control the A Bluetooth adapter right. for a device to put inside internally is pennies on the dollar. There was no excuse from either. Now, Boss put one in theirs. The, the GT1000 has Bluetooth, and you can have an yeah. app on your phone. You can walk around. You can dial in for your phone. The Mustang GT did it. The Marshall Line Code did it. it. In their other products. Yeah, I was going to say Line 6 did it in the, in the freaking Spider. Come on. Yeah, dude. Yeah. But, well, I, I so there is another school of thought on this, and that is, well, they didn't want to do something that was going to make it eventually, you know. so. Bluetooth could conceivably be replaced by some other piece of technology on down the road. And they didn't want it to be tied to, but then they put a USB port on it and you plug it into your computer. So, I mean, it's, it, it's just asinine. None of it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I program, I program mine strictly through the computer. My Katana, I use it the same way. It just, it, I, if I have to bend down to grab it, I'm a big guy. I don't like bending over. It's a pain in the ass. I don't like to tie my fucking shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. No, I was tying my shoe the other day and I'm like, oh, I can't breathe. Where's my inhaler? Yeah. Like, what the hell? It's the breathing while you're <laughs> Yeah, it's like just inhale. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> you're trying to time as fast as you can, too. It's funny. Um, what I what I did, um, I gotta I gotta be honest with you. So I um when it comes to the boss, I put it what I did was I had a nightstand and it was one of those ones that's got the legs and then it's got like a like a um shelf unit in it sure, sure. and put stuff in it so i took the shelf part off so that it would be shorter and so i could make it easier like i said it's right there um and the shelf i'll have to i'll have to share a picture of this in the i showed a picture of you with you i just took the shelf off and then sat it down on what would be the the, the quote-unquote legs but they're not legs they were just they can were we, the, the can we talk about shelf and it's on the floor that way. That's how it's sitting right now. So it's like like this far off the floor, about ten or eight inches maybe off the floor. So, so since we're talking about the stupid stuff on the katana, right? Yeah. Let's talk about more dumb stuff on it. Uh, we're gonna talk about that in a minute. We're getting there. Um, because he because you you requested it, Jonathan. We're we're gonna get there. Um that thing's cool, by the way. I like the graphic and all that. Um backing up katana. Back mounted controls, you know, rear mounted top controls, and then put it. And then they put the, they put the post <laughs> in the front to lead it back. What you the gotta fuck? be the further away. Hey, you know what? what? It's that. Yes, I, I know. I made a comment about the fact that not everybody uses stands, and they're not anticipating that. But like yeah. at the same time, it's like you put the little post in the front, so you're gonna lead the amp further away from you. Like what? <laughs> what? Plus, that post is absolutely useless. Useless. Oh, it reduces oh. the acoustic coupling for recording. Who's going to mic this thing up? Who's micing up a katana and using it in the studio? Um, I'm going to mic it up to, to do the demo for that guitar. I'm going to mic that. But demoing is one thing, but like, I, I, Jim. Oh, I, yeah, I know. I'm not micing it. If I'm micing it in a club, I don't care about the acoustic coupling. I'm still going to leave it on the ground. Yeah, like, what the hell? So then they put this little <laughs> thing on there. It's basically because it can't, it doesn't point it up high enough to look at. I, I, I want them to just put fender kickstands on it. When it yep. comes out, when it comes out with two, just put a, yep. a metal thing that comes down out of the back. Yep. 
you know, has a bar across and leans it straight up. And then really they need to go to a real semi open back for the, for the, for the combos so that you can, you can open the, the back up if you want it open back or you can close it up. Or you can close it back. They do it on the cab. It's the yep. best feature on the cab. Yep. I, I, um, I agree. John, John recommended we, that what they do is put, um, uh, they should have a flip up, uh, controller. Like, okay, if I've got it tilted back, the top flips up so I can use it. I mean, what is the top? It's all digital. There's, there's nothing but probably cat five behind it or cat six. And it's not like, you know, it's got a lot of stuff to it or that it would be all that difficult. I, now I do know having having lived and and breathed uh, manufacturing, I do know money wise every penny. And I don't know what the I don't know what the sales figures on the katana, but it's got to be astronomical. The big thing that everybody, I mean, let's face it, when the, when it came out, what was it up against? It was up against the Marshall Code. It was up against the Mustang at the time, the Mustang Two, right? So or three. Uh, yeah, I think the, I think the Mustang GT2 came out right after. Right after, but it was up against the Mustang series before the GT. Which, let's face it, the GT is is a bomb. Yeah, it's. A, it's a bomb. Um, but the Mustang before that wasn't as bad. But anyway, um, so here's what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be easy. It was supposed to be simple. Yep. Here's the amp. Why didn't you give me the ability to make it even simpler instead of making it difficult? You know, and and. Uh, Putting all this, um, this stuff, you know what I mean? And and um, said, okay, well we got well because people hacked it. They said, oh look at that, there are a lot more effects in there that you thought, and so they had to go, oh yeah, you're right, we did. And so then they had to release the software releases two and three that have given you access to things um, like the wah pedal and like the um, the, the uh, there's there's a few more what choruses or something that they added to the newest release. So reverb, I think, another reverb that they put in there. Um it's it's a great amp, but it really is it's not a modeler. And that's the thing that people people are like, oh, that's a modeler. It's not really a modeler. It is a guitar amplifier with a bunch of effects built in. A modeler does IR. And this thing is not doing IR at the at the it, it does on the output, the direct out. See, I I don't think that's really I don't think that's really accurate. I think it absolutely is a modeler. However, it it is set up so that the four models in it showcase what the thing can do, and those should be all you need. Right. And I I look, the vast majority of your recorded guitar tones are done with four amps. You've got your blackface Fender. You've got your Marshall, you've got your maybe a late model Marshall and, and or boogie, right? Yep. Your higher gain vintagey thing. And then you have your modern high gain amp, like a 6505 or you know, 5150. Or a triple rectifier. Those four categories make up the vast majority of uh, recorded electric guitar with Vox kind of in that fifth category, maybe. And so when you think about that, how many models do you need in an amp? If you're going to buy a digital amp that, that provides you those sounds, and as I said, I don't like to call this thing a modeler because it's a digital amp. That's really what it is. They, they wanted to take the four strongest models that they had in the GT100. They enhanced them, and then they put them into the Katana and said, these are, these are the channels of the amp. 
Like that's the, that's the concept. The concept is that this is an amp, right? Yep. So, but it's still, it's still modeler. Like it's based on modeling technology. It is based on the same thing that went on in the GT100. In fact, the models, I can tell you what ones they are out of the GT100, what they augmented. Cause, cause there, there's been a whole discussions about, you know, oh, well they, they tweaked this and this and this. And like, basically it's this model from the, the GT100. Right. Um, so I, I mean, I get it. They've enhanced those things. It's like what Line 6 used to do when they had their their modelers and they would put like the Chemical X channel, which was like basically their their version of this other thing. Right. Um, and and they're using a digital platform to create something that doesn't exist in the real world. Yep. That's kind of where this is, but it's based on something from the real world that they've enhanced. That's that's kind of what I'm saying. Right, um, right. But, it's, but technically, even most of your like regular modelers the Kemper, as far as I know, is the only modeler that is modeling like full-on impulse response, the whole chain from from input guitar input on the amp to the speakers on the output. So, for what it's worth, this is this is this is different than IR technology. Yeah, right. I yeah. I'm just I, I'm I'm poking holes in Jim's Jim's uh, bubbles as they appear above his head because that's yeah. But do you know what? I, I like to stoke I, the fires. I'm not gonna the, you're got, not going to poke the hole in the fact that they're not using a full range speaker for. They're not using a full range speaker to. Um, a lot of these uh, modelers are not using a full range speaker either. That that's that's another misnomer. Like the uh, the Flextone series, none of those were full range speakers. They were customized guitar drivers. That that was never they like they were not a PA speaker. They didn't have a tweeter or, or a horn or anything like that going on. It was it, really that started fairly recently. Um, but I mean, go back to the Vox, like the AD the ADVT series is the same thing. They were using customized guitar drivers to try and be flatter, but not be flat. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so and honestly, some of those speakers are just terrible. I mean. The, the Flexstone three speakers were some of the worst guitar speakers I've ever heard in my life, and they were based on G G twelve T seventy five. They were they were Celestian T seventy five, and they sounded awful with no bass response. They just basically cut all the bass. It was ridiculous. Yeah, um, and then they would woof out with any palm music. <laughs> it was just it was insane. Um, so. But but yeah no you're you're absolutely right um and that that's part of what sets this thing apart is the fact that they chose to like go completely full guitar speaker and not even try to like customize this for flatness or anything like that they were basically just saying look we just want to deliver the the power amp preamp experience of a regular amp in a digital format yeah. right to a guitar cabinet and a guitar speaker and actually the cabinets I think they put a lot of work into what how they constructed those cabinets I know people have made fun of them because they're like not Baltic birch ply and all that. But but in reality, I mean, they don't sound bad for what they are. Um and they're they're pretty tough. I mean, I haven't seen one like fail or crack or anything like that where mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, freaking PVs cracked before. I've seen the uh the front baffle crack in them. Sorry, I keep I keep uh, just stepping on your toes, Jim. Ah, uh, it's all right. I um is is as uh, we'll call it a digital modeler goes, it's it's all right. It's an amp. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> but it's but it's based on it's an amp based on modeling technology. Correct. 
that's that's kind of what I was saying. Like, I completely agree with you in the sense that yes, this has a whole different concept, um, and I hope we see more of them. Next tone from from Boss is the same thing. It's like the same concept. Got a digital platform with a little bit more solid state technology driving it. Yep. Um, I think the gain stages in the next tone are actually solid state. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I know there is digital in that. Area. Um, and I think it's more than just the reverb. Um, but I'm completely okay with it. And again, if you look at that thing, it's clearly the same platform. Like the chassis is the same. Um, the gut shots, the board looks very similar to the katana. It's just using a different feature set. So, um, yeah, <laughs> the next tone has the controls on the top as well. He's he's absolutely correct. This is John. John is uh, participating wildly in our uh, conversation tonight. Yes, um, yeah, and it, I I love it because uh, this is what we want for this for the uh, for Patreon supporters of the show. Participate, come in, yes. watch the show, ask us questions. We're gonna try to do it earlier. Um, that's that's something we're pushing for. So uh, yeah. the other thing is, uh, he, John wanted to share with us. He bought um, this thing called uh, it's a, a rear up. Which, if for those that are inclined, it is a Klon Centaur clone. Um, they're not expensive; they're two hundred bucks, and you get to pick a color. You uh, know, yeah, I was looking at that. Now, according to their website, uh, the shop is in Texas. Yeah, yeah. I and you can have a. They build clone stuff. They make no bones about it. Their stuff is is clone, but those guitars look. I, I've never heard of them before, but they look so. Here's the, here's the thing with the Klon. Like I had uh, I had the Archer Icon. I really liked that pedal. Um, yep, the Archer is nice. nice I had uh, so I had it. I've had it probably a good year. Um, it it blew my OCD off my board. It blew my. Um, I had another overdrive. Basically, what I was. I got. I've had so many damn pedals. I don't even remember anymore. Um, and and I really liked it. Uh, good Time Music has their clone though. And I forget what they call it, but I, I put my icon up against their clone. Yep. Oh my God. Like, I don't know what, what they're doing special over there. I know who builds their pedals. He builds for another very, very well-known company. Um, that mm-hmm. has got some really cool stuff that they make and, uh, it's really good. If this has those shot key diodes that are in that, cause he, cause I talked to, to the guy that actually makes their pedals. Yeah. I think it's going to be awesome. Because uh, that's one of the the big things is like it uses germanium shot key diodes, which I don't think are made anymore, which is part of the reason why the KTR exists. But they are mismatched, and they are mismatched to leak like an old germanium transistor does in a fuzz phase, which is oh. part of what makes that pedal magic. So I'm looking at their stuff. Here's here's my thing: if you want a great strat, buy a strat. You know. If you yeah. want a great, great telly, buy a telly. If you're going to put $2,000 into a Telecaster, buy a nice Telecaster. If you're going to put $2,000 into a nice te- um, strap, buy a nice strap. So, and now, I'm not putting down, I'm not poo-pooing them up. I'm not saying, oh, you know, this sucks or that sucks because you, you and I both know I'm interested in the um, Silver Sky. I, I, I'm interested in a lot of things. And, I, and you're a G&L guy. And, and, that's basically but, a whole you know, guitar it, company. It, it's a strap, yeah. But here's here's my thing. So this guy, this company, Ryra, R Y R A, is making. We, we talked about this earlier tonight. He's making um, a uh, an eight hundred eight clone. He's making a muff clone, a pie, a muff pie clone, um, a tri pie. He's calling it. 
um, or trimoff, and uh, it, he's making a fuzzomatic, which obviously is, um, you know, some kind of... Some, Likely a fuzz face because of two knob. Yeah, two knob, fuzz and volume. So Now, but they didn't say that. That is a reinterpretation of a classic. They say that yeah. on there. And it says it. I'm not saying, and, and um, but he says the clone is an exact, part for part, meticulously crafted replica. And the now, funny uh, part about that is, from the people I've talked to that have dissected actual clones or clone pedals, remember these things were gooped, so you can't even see the damn board in them. Yep. Nobody's got it right. From the few people that I that I've talked to who have actually had one and had like had it taken apart or or have an early one before he started doing that, they, that very few people have gotten the secret sauce. There, there are some people out there that have done it. I know somebody who has had a- access to four different bonds and so, may or yeah, may not so, be somebody that is affiliated with, you know, good time. Um, <laughs> and, well, all I can say is that, so I played with a, um, a guitar player who had an original clone. It was the old, Right, right, right. And it was back when they were only, I don't know how much they originally cost. Yeah, they were 270 bucks. Yeah. They weren't as for, expensive. For like until 2003 or four or five. Like they were, they were not even that astronomical. And I'm going to tell you right now. So he had a, he had one of those huge boards and, and a controller that was made by, who's that guy that makes some um, um, Brad, Bradford, Brad, Brad, yeah, Bradshaw, Bradshaw. He had a Bradshaw board. He had, I mean, this guy has money. I mean, he had, he had um, at least 10 grand in his board. Um, but you have no idea the stuff he had. Anyway, so he had this Klon, which was not really, to me, it wasn't an outstanding pedal. I just didn't see it the as an Klon, outstanding pedal. The Klon is one of those pedals that people lust for because if you have the right guitar and the right amp and you use it at the right magic setting, it is godlike. However, 95% of the people I've seen playing clones have none of those things. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, all right. So tell us about the 50, 50, man. John has asked about the 50, 50. All you right. got your 50, 50. So it's laying around here somewhere. Uh, no, actually I take it back. It's, it's your at, uh, no, cause I was reversing it. Uh, my rents before I went to um, the uh, open mic and actually it was there. So the 50, 50, uh, if you, do you, you ever play a DOD 250, that's, that's kind of what it is. It's, it's a pair of DOD 250s in the same box, which is like a, I, I think distortion plus. The same. Yep. Um, I used to have a DOD 250. I, so did you have a, re, like an original vintage one? Cause they're very different than what they were putting out for a while. I think the new one, I think the one they're doing right now that you can still get, cause I obviously DOD is going under. Um, I had. I had an old one. This yeah. was probably like a gray box. Yeah. This was okay. The gray boxes are good. All right. The, the, the early, early ones are really, really good. And then there was a period in like the nineties where they'd reissued them or something. They were terrible. Um, I started out, my first two fifty was actually the YJM three Oh eight, which was nothing like the real two fifties. It's all treble. There was no warmth to it at all. Um, yep. I got the chance to play, uh a decent 250 and i'm not sure what year it was but it was warmer I, it may have been modified and i was like okay now i see why people want this pedal sold my ygm 308 and i said that someday i'll get a 5050 or not 50 but i'll get a, a dod 250 well right. so a couple of years ago um 60 cycle announced they were going to start doing 5050s with 
uh, Pelican Noise Works building them. Um, yep. And I jumped at the chance because I was like, well, first off, I know Leon from Pelican Noise and the guy's legit. Like he understands circuits. He's a, he's a recording engineer. So he understands how this stuff works. He understands, you know, the kind of frequency ranges and stuff that, that be for recording. I'll just wait. I'll get this. So I missed two runs of that thing. And then they did the third run. And I was like, all right, I'm all in. I don't care what it's going to cost. Yep. This way. I'm just going to get one. Um, and I've actually been really, really happy with it. I think the DOD 250 is not an, a, a pedal you put in front of an amp to replace the amps overdrive. It's very much a boost pedal. Um, I've had really good results with it through like Fender amps, which is one of the few drive pedals I've ever found that I like through Fender amps. I do not like tube screamers through Fender amps. I know some people love it. Uh, it just the mid hump, it's, I think it's a little, so. A little too much. Well, no, the Fender sound is a scoop mid thing, but I think it's unnatural. It doesn't sound right. It sounds like, okay. so if it, if it made the amp sound like a Marshall, I'd be like, okay, I get it. Like they put enough mid range in there, um, but it doesn't really do that. And so I kind of feel like um, it's, it, it just, it does something unnatural. Maybe, maybe it's flat. Maybe it's not. It removes, that's what I was going to say. It kind of removes the character of the amp. Well, te- te- technically, like a- if you ever looked at a Marshall frequency response curve, like with it, you know, people have generated, um, they're typically, pretty flat yeah they just sound like they're mid boosted because almost all amps have a mid scoop that, that happens it's usually centered around 1k or 1.2k yeah like in that in that range that's that's the it. problem here is like even the marshals have a have a scoop there but it's like really narrow okay and with the mid with the tube screamer i don't think there's any scoop there at like 1.4 1.5k that's you know like maybe q or one or something um it would be nice if they if somebody did that, like they made a tube screamer and then they somehow scooped the mids out just like a real amp, because then you could get that Marshall tone out of a out of a fender amp. I'm also well, not the guy that says um I don't like to use amp in a box pedals into an amp. I think amp in a box pedals are their own special thing. They run them into cabinet model or whatever you're gonna do. Right. So for yeah, me, I don't like running them. I like the pedals that are kind of like this is an overdrive and it's not supposed to sound like an amp overdrive, like it's, it's well, the, yeah. So the DoD two fifty, I was using that with a with a Fender, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure you had good results. Yep, because it's because yep. it's really one of the few pedals that upper end presence. Right, it, one of the one of the few peasants pedals that didn't make it like. How do I describe it's it? With super a, peaky and breathy. Yeah, and yeah. And, and it loses it. It loses its character. Yeah, they're a limited run. Brittle. John John asked if the fifty fifty is a limited run. They yeah. are, they're always doing new runs, but when they come out, there's usually 25 or 50 available. Um, I got to get one next time. I, I, you know, I meant to get one two times ago. I didn't know about this last run. Well, they, um, they sold out. They, they only had like five when they actually went to the general population because yeah. the inner circle bought them all. But I, I, I'm looking to get, well, I'll probably join the inner circle just to get into the next <laughs> group. Um, but the, I the, can probably, um, I can order you one before they go on sale. Just let me know. Yeah. And so what happened was, yeah, I would do, I would just PayPal you. But anyway, the, the, um, the thing that, that I, I asked about was, Hey, you know, just that and the other thing. And, and so I wound up, that's when I wound up getting the, the, the don't get me wrong. I love the Paisley drive. I, I absolutely love Paisley. Um, so I got the Paisley deluxe. It's just that I'm like, you know, sometimes you just want, for me, it's always about gain character for me, a, a clean amp setting that allows me to get a character from the amp that i can using gain that i can either 
either hit a, a channel on the amp and bring it off. I very rarely stack gain. But when I do, I want that stack, like Paisley does that pretty well. Um, and it actually, um, the, the blues driver with the Wampler mod stacks well with Paisley. Kind of surprising. Um, but I, I wanted to get uh, the, uh, what I wanted to do was get the 50-50 the because that is a, again, that's one of those ones that's meant to stack and give itself that character. The, like I said, with the two the two fifty that I had in the front end of my um, fender, almost every single overdrive I put in front of that thing made it sound brittle. It made it sound like the yeah, like yeah, it, almost like there was a I don't know. And I'm not a tone whore, so I don't know how to say it right. But it just sounded like gears grinding. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it you just get a lot of a lot of weird artifacts, distortion right. artifacts that are going on. And and that has a lot to do with like for one thing how how uh, gainy the pedal is to begin with because like so we all know that like there's the, there's your overdrive pedals that like get into the distortion characteristics like like uh, yep. OCD, yep. um and soft clipping is a big part of that too, um but really I mean when you're talking about the DoD 250 it's really a dirty boost yeah. it's not really an overdrive pedal it can be if you push that gain way up but the best way to use it. And the way that I've seen most people use it is as a dirty boost. Unless you're in the Malmsteen and then you just turn it to 10 and run it into a, a Marshall on 10 with all the knobs turned up and just completely saturate the shit out of your tone. And it's so funny because when you hear him do it, like when you're actually there at the venue and you hear him, hear, hear him doing this, it, it, it has so much definition. It's not like completely compressed out the ass like you would think it is because it's almost as though um, – it, it 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 smooths out all the like the distortion characteristics you'd normally get out of that Marshall sound. So it just sounds like a really sustained note. Well, so the way I set my overdrive pedals and every overdrive setting, um, and and uh, is I'll go in and I I play like I would normally play, and I slowly creep the gain up just until it starts to, until it starts to break. That's that's really the point that I want that overdrive. I am not a you know that's why the fuzz is so fun to me because I'm, I'm pushing it's that the first pedal where you actually want that gainy like <laughs> artifact thing to come through. You know, th that's what's fun about fuzz. And 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 th there uh, I heard that in that George Tripp's interview with uh, I think it was Anderton's. They were talking about like you know the first time you watch somebody with a fuzz and like you actually see him play one and like, struggle to get that right note you know and they have to like really work it and everything. He's like that's when you realize like why people like fuzz because it's you have to fight it. Yeah. And people yeah, like it fighting it every once in a while, but that's right. the, that's the one where you can fight it and then turn it off, you know, <laughs> like playing normal and not have to worry about it. Exactly. Um, so, so when I'm, when I'm doing that, like, I mean, if you, if you imagine the, the pedals that I have, the BD2 and the, and the um, Paisley's, I'm just getting that gain to where it breaks up and then, and then a, a tad more, just a little, you know, it's like more is more. Yeah, I, I just go to that that's, little that's bit saying, by the way. Yeah. And so I, and every guitar is different. It reacts differently with every guitar. And I can tell you this, it reacts differently with every amp and the amp reacts differently with every cabinet. And so anybody that thinks that there's a, I think that, that there's people, no right or wrong way to run a, run a pedal. Like I want right. to, I want to disseminate this to your audience. Obviously right. if you find that a certain setting works better for you than it works better for you. Don't complain about it. Don't think, Oh, I, I'm not using this pedal. Right. So it's, it's trash. Like just mm -hmm. use it. I had that tendency where like I'll look at something and go, 
I'm not using it the intended way. I hate this. Oh, like, this is wrong. Crazy. It just drives yeah. me crazy. Or but, or your friends go, that's wrong. The other thing is, I would recommend, I see wrong. lots of overdrive players who, who set their overdrive at Unity. And I, I yeah. kind of feel like they're missing out. Yeah, yeah. Like, you I, don't realize that that's, if you boost, just, just a little bit, just a, a DB yeah. and a half. Get that hair. And all of a sudden, it, there's just that one thing that, that that's where the character of the pedal is. But it's going to be different for every single player and every single guitar. Because so your fo- attack is different and your so, rig is different. Everything. We're talking about the clone but, that, 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 that John got here. Uh, the clone in general, like the clone in general, that circuit. Right. It gets used two ways. One is the high gain distortion box, which yep. I was fond of. But I think the, the other way is better, which is clean boost. And yeah. almost everybody loves it as a clean boost. There have been people that have actually taken the buffer out of a clon and put it in other things with just a volume knob for a boost pedal. I mean, that that's kind of like what this thing does. That's that's what it's, you know, I'm, I'm being bit by my cat right now. And, it, yeah. and it's not pleasant. Yeah. Um, that That's kind of, look at this. He's uh, attacking you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michonne is, she's being vicious with me. She wants attention. She's like, give yep. me now. She's like, now. Um, so I, I think, I think, you know, in, in common use, you can, you can shoot for those two tones. If that's what you're looking for, you're probably going to find it in that pedal. If you have the right amp set up, I would, I would recommend a non-master volume amp cranked up with, you know, like a Telecaster or something in front of it. That's like very simple because I, what I, I had my clone, it was in this like monster rig. I had all these different things and the, the, the tones I like best out of it was just on into the amp. Like shut off all the pedals in the rig, like take them all out of because I had an ES8. I was taking them all out of the loop, and I was just going guitar, blonde amp, no, no other buffers getting in the way, nothing crazy like that. Um, just to just to make sure that like it was hitting it the right way, because that's the thing when you start stacking buffers, and that's really the problem I have with modular pedal boards now. Like thinking about the modularity of all is that the input impedances and the output impedances of every pedal are totally different. And so getting that magic combination of this pedal goes really well with this pedal and then this pedal, and every time you add one, it just gets that much more insane. Where you're like, oh, God, weird. now I'm having an impedance problem. That was, you know what? That, that was something that, that um, when I put the uh, fuzz pedal into my circuit, I was very mindful of that because I knew it was going to change the characteristic of the, of the chain in general. And it did. Well, that's it, why a lot of people love true bypass because if the pedal's off. It's yeah. not going to interact with everything. else, Right. right. So I, I mean, I, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. I think every way you do it has unique challenges. You want to use a helix or an axe effects, plug it into your computer and program it. Cause you're not going to want to bend over and, and dick around with that thing for three or four hours a day. And then the, uh, you know, if you're going to go modular pedals, be prepared to like really yep. spend the time to find the right combinations of things and buy yep. a lot of them because that, that, I mean, ultimately like I have bought probably 50 pedals in the last five years. I mean, 50 yep. pedals. You think about that. And maybe out of all of those, like really good combinations and stuff. And I've had some good stuff over those 50 pedals yep. and 15 combinations that were like really magic that did something that like I couldn't do some other way. Um, um, so uh, one of the other, the other things that, that um, I want to leave people with is there is no silver bullet. No. And it, it, that guitar that you've been 
um, you know, drooling over or that pedal you've been drooling over, that amp that you've been drooling over. Somebody posted a question in another forum where they said, um, uh, champion 100, $350. He says, uh, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> John's, John's picking on me because I, I, I still want to play one. That doesn't mean that I think it's a silver bullet. It just means that I, I think that, um, uh, it's going to be, you know, something that I want to try. And if it is what, what they say it is, then it's going to be worth it. But I, I got to try it. But anyway, so anyway, um, what I, what I was getting at is there is no silver bullet. There's no one thing that's going to make your tone perfect. You know, you can buy, we've, we've talked about this before. You can buy exactly the same. I can buy the same rig as John and I can say, buy the same rig as you. And we will not sound the same playing it. You will sound like something different playing my rig. And I'm going to sound different playing your rig. Right. And, and, and don't think that that's going to bring some magical tone to you that you don't have. It, 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 will it change the characteristic of the guitar or the, or the amp or stuff? Yeah. But don't, don't think it's a magic bullet. And I think that that's something that people look for when they start pulling things out and replacing things that they think there's, there's that magical thing that's going to make well, them sound like their hero. That's why, or it's That's why people spend so much money on this stuff. I mean, that's why I've been guilty of it because I've been, I've been chasing this dragon of like, Hey, you know, I really want my sound to sound like this. And I know what I, I hear in my head and I'm starting to realize like it either doesn't exist, nope. which fine, or that reality is, um, I've gotten close enough to it already. Right. And, and, and frankly, the, the more I play lately, the more I feel like I'm close enough to it. Like I'm right there where I want to be that the sound in my head is what comes out of my uh, monitor speakers here or out of an amp. And, and it comes back to that whole, like the meme thing that's been going around for, for years now is like, you don't need more pedals. You need more practice. Yeah. And I, uh, everyone. At some point that, that, that is exactly right. Um, I, I'll be completely honest. I took yesterday off. I didn't play at all yesterday. And that was the first I played time enough I for the both of us. Yeah, I know. I, I hadn't played in a long time. And to be honest with you, it kind of felt weird not playing on that. I, I was hoping my fingers would bleed. And, I, and I'll tell you why, because that means I'm going to develop some new callus yep. so that I will be able to play longer with more stamina. Um, I have let I my calluses go. I don't play as much as I used to. Yeah. Uh, so. so what has happened with me now is with the, with the, so with the, can't see it, with the Telecaster and the, and the, um, se that so i gotta get three guitar things on stage so that i can have the the um se doing something how or um, not the se but the uh the ce doing something and then the um or maybe the se because now i'm doing dive bomb stuff which i wasn't doing before um and uh the the uh sg and the telly now i got like i'm gonna use the telly for the disco stuff I'm gonna yeah, okay. I'm gonna freak people the fuck out. All right, so quick so quick couple comments. Um the X8 I heard the other night was great. The guy that was playing the Van Halen and Metallica stuff was using a whammy pedal and yeah. he had a Les Paul. Yeah, he had a, an 80s Les Paul, and he what was whammy. using the whammy pedal, and you honestly could not tell it was a whammy pedal if you weren't looking. Isn't it that was, great? It was really cool. 
and um, he was doing the dive bombs and stuff with it. It was it was awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do it with the with this thing. Yeah, yeah. dude. So once you get through with your two years of no gear, I think you should get one of these high end models because I think I'm about to embark on something running mine live. After I heard, I mean, they didn't have good sound equipment there. They had the house PA, and I'm like, if that's what the AX, because I've heard the X8 before. Like, if that's what it sounds like in a live venue, like yeah. the Helix is going to sound great, and there's not going to be holding me back. Well, I just my experience with FRFR was shitty cabinets. Yeah, I think that what um, you know the, the end game will change. It's two years away, but I think that what I've been looking at, honestly, has been um, probably and uh, <clears throat> the uh, what's the what's the modeler, the amp modeler. It doesn't have effects in it. Oh, the Kemper. The, the Kemper. Kemper has effects in it, but they're just not great. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. You don't you you don't buy a Kemper for the effect. You buy a Kemper for the model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'd probably get a Kemper with the with the powered head. Um, you know, Kemper it, might be in my future too. Um, um, I don't know how. So it really depends on a couple of things. I would have to do an analysis of how far how far along in the life cycle the Kemper is. Yeah. Because I know the Helix is relatively new. It's only about two years. Yeah. So I know that I'd be into either a helix three years out of the helix. I yeah. got another three years to go, but I could do a Kemper powered Kemper um, yep. only use the power amp when I need it. Yep. And then uh, get an HXFX on the yep. floor yep. and totally. I should probably need the HXFX to be honest with you. 90% of yep. what I'm using the helix for is like drive pedals and amps. Yep. We'd really not use Miles. and i hated the dry pedals at first but now that i've gotten to work with them more and more and stop thinking about how real pedals work and start thinking about how the models work they're great but if i have to do start doing fly things and stuff i might just get a nano cab stick with the yeah no no i would still i would keep that as a backup regardless yep so oh yeah oh yeah no question. um yeah i i don't know <clears throat> all right well uh we've gone we've gone way over two hours at this point all right um so i'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up and we got plenty of content for next week, right, yes, Jim? Because there, yeah, I had a whole thing, a whole section that I didn't get to. I know, I know. I'm sorry. Maybe we'll do oh, next we'll do... week. Next week we have a special guest. He'll be at my house. And then we also have to um, next week we should we should finalize the rules for the contest. Yep. Um, and Jim and I will have some some discussions about how we're going to handle that content. And then, uh, yeah. So look for that stuff to come out soon. And. Yeah. Uh, is there something else we need to reveal? The humbucker giveaway. No, yeah, um, I mean, nope. No, no other right. reveals yet. All right, all right. So, Jim, uh, you have been Jim this week, and I have been David. I have been Jim. I'm glad I was not Jim. You're glad that you were <laughs> and not And I'm David. glad I was not David. Yeah, so. Um, I think. <laughs> but that being said, we have been. The Practical Guitarist.